You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers. First and foremost, I want to welcome you to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, Season 7, and I'm your host, Greg Ehill, the Culture Change Agent. And today I'm excited to introduce one of our first sponsors of the Minority Trailblazer Podcast ever, Scotch Porter Brand. As you can see, they sent me like the whole kit, like the beard, three different things for the hair, three different things for the face. I don't even know what to do in the shower. I'm just grabbing stuff, right? But I'm excited to introduce them because a couple things. One, they're having a collection sale. So this holiday season, there is 50% off online the collection sales with a plethora of different combinations of hair, skincare, and beard care products that can help you, your man, your girl, whatever, your kids, it can help all. How the hair popping, the skin glowing. Like right now, my skin glowing. It's not just the lights. It's not just the HD camera. It's Sky Sport as well, right? So I just want to introduce y'all to our first sponsor. And I want to say a couple things. One, ingredients non-toxic i'm talking about like pomegranate enzymes <laughs> i know i had to read that pomegranate i don't even know how to say pomegranate enzymes right Pillow bark biotin uh kale protein all that good stuff as well as things to help blemishes scars and clog your pores so your beard can be shining and popping and you don't have all them blisters and bumps etc so it can help you out with that and like i said they are a black owned hair skin and face product and they support black businesses like the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Once again, thank you for support. Enjoy the episode. And remember, shop at scotchporter.com and tell a Minority Trailblazer podcast sent you. First and foremost, y'all know what time it is. 1906 to the good bros of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. You know, we repping. Shout out to front runners. I see you, Elite Kale. But also, too, we got another one. Another one of what? Sponsorship, baby. The lead sponsor for season seven of the Minority Troublemaker podcast is RecDiv. That is one of the only job platforms that recruits specifically students from HBCUs. So if you're an employer looking to hire diverse talent from HBCUs, go to RecDiv. If you are a student from an HBCU or trying to get a job at a big company or small, go to RecDiv.com because you know that's what companies are looking for talent like you. So go where you want it and not just tolerate it. And that's all I got to say. Watch this promo we about to play, but make sure, make sure, make sure. If you know a cousin, a family member, or you yourself are a student looking for a job, et cetera, go to RecDiv.com. And if you are an employer, make sure you head that way as well. Said that the bank had not met its diversity goals due to the quote-unquote lack of qualified talent. What we were guessing about six, seven, eight years ago, and now we know, is that the more diverse companies are the ones that are starting to be the most profitable companies. Okay, the teams are better when they're more diverse. When there's diversity of experience, there's diversity of thought, which results in a better outcome. But there are um, companies now that are looking to break the mold. They are looking to shatter the earth that they are on. Imagine a place where people of all colors and all races are on and climbing 
every rung of the corporate ladder, where those people feel safe, indeed expected, to bring their unassimilated, authentic selves to work every day, because the difference that they bring is both recognized and respected. That is what happens if we all work together to fix what's broken. That is what happens if we stop praying for change to happen and actually start moving our feet to making it. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Ehill, the Culture Change Agent. Season 7 has been phenomenal thus far, man. Um, but right now, we back with my brother. My brother again. We don't have, I think you've been on the podcast once before, but every single time we link up, it's always phenomenal. So I'm in the A, and I was like, yo, I, we got we to gotta get it in. We got to do it, right? So I'm excited. We in WeWork. WeWork ain't paving no spots and all that, but it's a dope office. Like, ain't nobody here, but my, my homie's back there doing the thing and construction work, doing the thug this with my homie Keisha out there. Since Keisha getting it in, we all off script, but that's what we do, man. Season seven. Um, today, I'm really excited about what we have in store. Um, he's already been on the show, so I'm not going to do a long bio or whatnot. We're just going to introduce him. We're going to jump right in. I don't know where this discussion is going to lead, <laughs> but it's going to lead to somewhere where you're going to leave empowered, inspired, and fuel the change Maybe a financial future, maybe a personal future. I don't know what you're gonna change, but that's 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 the thing. Is you come into this podcast, this episode right here, <sighs> have in your mind you're gonna receive one thing. All right, that's it. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my brother Rob Boyd once again to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Man, welcome to the show. Man, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> it just feels so good to, to be able to sit down and talk with someone that you, you've known all your life almost. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to, to talk about whatever we're going to hit on today. Yep, yep, yep. So um, if you could, man, give our audience, for those that may have not listened to your episode back in the day, man, um, your, bi- your background, some of your highlights. Uh, yeah. We'll get into the lowlights, but just go okay. ahead and tell about yourself. Uh, well, uh, the world, I think the world does know that we both from the same city. Yeah. From Durham, North Carolina. Yes, sir. <laughs> Dual city all day long. Um, and I guess the main thing about looking back on my life and my background that I think is a standout thing is that I just never quit, mm-hmm. you know? And, and one of the things that I always wanted to figure out was like how this whole money game work. Mm-hmm. Uh, how to get to a point where I wasn't living a life that felt limited mm-hmm. because I didn't have the money or didn't have the certain resources. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so backstory is is went to Howard for mm-hmm. college. Uh, that was kind of like a, a, a shot in a prayer. Uh, that was the only school I ever applied to. Wow. Got in. Um, and at that point, my life completely changed. Okay. Uh, so as you know, growing up in Durham, you don't always see a lot of the positive things happening in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of affected by certain things that may happen to your friends or family. Mm-hmm. And then getting out of out of Durham and going to DC, yeah, uh, it just gave me a whole new perspective. Because every DC got everything. They got it, the politics, but they got po- real cats there too. Right, right. It, got, it just, it's a complex place. Exactly. And um, I, that's where I really realized that I had a gift mm-hmm. to be able to connect with people from all different walks of life. Because mm-hmm. at Howard, it's like a mixing bowl of black people. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I could connect to a lot of different people, relate to a lot of different people. Um, but then having that that knowledge and just understanding finance, understanding economics, something I naturally realized I, I could get down with. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I can take this knowledge, this mm-hmm. textbook kind of book knowledge and help people apply it to their lives. Mm-hmm. And I came out of school. Got- Question, as you go there, 
as a student, because mm -hmm. I know I get students all the time. Uh, last mm -hmm. week I was on a closing bell series. Shout out to North Carolina A&T, mama mater. And a student asked, like, how do I how do I know my strengths? Like, I'm a freshman. How do I know? And you mentioned something where, as a student, you got you knew that, hey, I'm good at this. Right. So for our students and adults out there to say, hey, I still don't, they, I don't know where I'm good at. Like, as a young age, you realize, at the end of the day, I know I can do this. Was there a moment? Was there a situation? Is there a story that kind of can help illustrate that a little bit deeper? Yeah, it actually is a story. And okay. it's actually the, the backstory to uh, what I'm doing today okay. uh, with Empify and just from a financial education standpoint. Uh, there was a moment, it was freshman year, second semester of freshman year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going, we're in the economics class. Yeah. And, uh, I wasn't in the school of business. Mm -hmm. I was actually in the school of communications. <laughs> what, for but nobody knew that <laughs> because I knew all the business yeah. stuff, like as far as finance, economics, and stuff like that. And and it was because I realized I had a natural understanding of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I was sitting in class one day, and uh, we got our test back, and I was like one of the only people that passed the test. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, hold on, like I didn't really think I knew this like that, but. If I'm the only one that pretty did pretty well, like maybe there's something here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, like maybe this is kind of a fluke, right? Mm -hmm. like maybe I just got did well. And then it kept happening over and over again. And in that class, the second semester of um freshman year, I realized that I knew something. Mm -hmm. You know, like we all feel like we know stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, this is another level. Yeah. Um, I got my classmates depending on me to help them with this class. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was like, man, I, I like this stuff. It's mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. And I can see that I'm of value to someone else. And the light bulb went off. Mm -hmm. Like, Rob, follow this. You don't know where this goes. You're not, you don't know what, as it, at the end of this road, but the fact that there's something that you have a general interest in that other people look to you for help with, uh, I like that feeling mm -hmm. of being of value to someone. And I just followed it and I just went harder in those classes. And it went from an elective that I had to take for a different major mm -hmm. and then economics turned into my major yeah. because I just took so many other classes because it was almost easy to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, and in the same process, everybody in these classes is like, yo, we gonna pass this <laughs> class if Rob didn't show up today. <laughs> yeah. um, and that was like really the first moment where scholastically, mm -hmm. in, in an academic uh, environment, mm -hmm. that I realized I had a value or a certain ability that everybody else didn't have. And I never really got that feeling, mm -hmm. younger and coming up in Durham and growing up, like we played basketball. Like, yeah. Basketball, not to not to say in in a negative way, but basketball carried me through high school. You yeah, know, yeah. like we they wanted to make sure we played on Tuesday yeah. and Friday night. Had to. So it's like, all right, Rob, you, you we'll we'll bump your grade up, but we'll do this for you just to make sure you can play on the court. Mm -hmm. And I kind of skated in some classes in high school, so I never was really challenged, mm -hmm. even though I had a brain, I had a mind at work. But I just never saw a challenge in the academic space that was of value to me. Yeah. Just because of what we was exposed to. Mm -hmm. So then at, at Howard, when that first happened, I, I was like, let me follow this. Because I had never had this happen to me before. Mm -hmm. And everything played out. Uh, graduated. Got that first job out of school in my major, which mm -hmm. was rare back in 2010. Yep. And uh, continued to pursue it and ultimately realized in corporate America I was like, I, what I know can keep the wealthy wealthy, mm -hmm. but I would rather use what I know to help people that came from where I came from mm -hmm. get a better understanding of their money. Yeah. 
And I had to venture out and do that on my own because there was really no environment in the corporate space mm-hmm. that was focused on helping people that look like me. Mm-hmm. They're starting from humble beginnings. Mm-hmm get a momentum for themselves financially. Mm, and, and, and give some quick context real quick. Did you grow up single parent household? You have yeah. brothers and sisters? Shout out to Mon Dukes. <laughs> I, a side note, I did teach at Hillside High School for a year and I, I had an opportunity, phenomenal opportunity to meet his mother, uh, Miss Roberta, right? Yeah, and yeah. She's, 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 she's amazing, man. So grew real. up single parent household. Uh-huh. It was me and my mom for for majority of my yeah. childhood. Was your dad like, was he... Uh, he, I mean, it was it was in and out. Yeah, yeah. You know, like he he actually is here in Atlanta. Uh-huh. He lives here in Atlanta. Um, but throughout my young younger years, he wasn't really present. Are y'all cool now? Yeah, we're cool now, and we actually like made a a relationship, created a relationship as I got older. Um, Did you seek that out? Did he do that? Uh, to be honest, man, that's a good question. I really think it was about me being open to it. Uh huh. Because when I was younger. It hurt me yeah. that he wasn't present. So I was kind of mad. It was uh-huh. kind of like a, a, it was a resentment there, if you will. Mm-hmm. And But to be honest, I don't, I'm not mad at it mm-hmm. because that fueled me. Mm-hmm. Because I, I was, my whole life as far as at least zero to 16 specifically, mm-hmm. I was trying to prove myself to mm-hmm. the world because I wasn't getting that love. Yeah, And it was like, all right, Rob, like, Excel in basketball, excel in certain things to make people love you. Mm-hmm. Because one of the people that you think should automatically be loving you isn't there. Yeah. And I was I was really posturing myself to get it from the world because I wasn't getting it from one of my parents. Yeah. And uh but to say to say all in that, mm-hmm. like looking back, yeah, that helped me. Yeah. Because I might not have been as motivated. I might not have been as inspired to ultimately one day win his love mm-hmm. and and to push myself to do the things that I did differently from my friends that mm-hmm. landed me in a space where today I can look back and say I feel successful mm-hmm. and on the track to more success when, uh, as you know, a lot of people that we grew up with aren't around no more. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Or, or incarcerated. Yeah. And it was just one of those things where looking back, it actually... I guess the way I look at it, it helped me more than it hurt me mm-hmm. because it, it made my mind sharper mm-hmm. because in my household uh, with my mom and then ultimately my younger brother, like I really didn't have a blueprint yeah. on how to be a man. You mm-hmm. know, you kind of had to like, it's trial and error. And luckily my trial and error process didn't land me in a grave situation. Mm-hmm. And I was able to live through it and, and pick up on it on some of the things that I now know like this is what it means to be a man. And it's sometimes it can kind of be a gift where if you have no blueprint, you can kind of create your own blueprint. It can go in the, it can go left. It can go left. It can go left sure. easy. For sure. But when it goes right, you're creating your reality. And if you do it the right way and you have and God puts certain angels in your life and there's a couple of things you follow you cuz I think everybody in their life has opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Everybody has opportunities. They may not be huge opportunities, but that's a, that's a whole other conversation. I was on the podcast because everybody look for huge opportunities, but you got the small opportunities right there. You want to you want to dominate that. You right. want to dominate the big. Don't dominate. They don't work like that. Right. But if we just continue to follow where we're actually good at, mm-hmm. not that's... where we actually like, 
Because a lot of people like a lot of stuff they're not good at. Like, yeah. oh, I like the model. It, that ain't you. <laughs> not in American context. That's just not going to be you. Like, yeah. I like this person. You ain't going to get that person. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Like, stick yeah. to the person that's, that's answering those texts. Like, don't stop trying to slide and like, no, just grab right here. That's all right. the conversation too. Right. But, because <laughs> I'll be, I, these women, y'all crazy. Uh, y'all crazy, man. Huh? All right, cool. So, I do have a, one thing that stepped out and we're going to jump right into it. Uh-huh. Um, from your, your your orientation at at school, one thing that really stood out to me is the question. I want all of you to listen to this. How, and our answer to this question: How do I provide value? Like in every part of your relationship, right? That's right. the that's the baseline. That's the baseline. Not even, I'm not even talking about business, personally, whatever. Right. If you do not know specifically how you add value, but to be even more specific as far as how to think about it, mm-hmm. like most people. Think about adding value to get value back. Mm. That's where they mess up. Mm. It's like, no, you just focused on the value that you can add and kind of naturally um, you'll find yourself in a space with other people that can return some value to you, but you should never think about adding value to get value. Mm. It's like, I'm just gonna add value because that's what you can control. You can't control getting it back. And when you try to focus on something you can't control, you'll find yourself in a, in a hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. It's like, focus on what you can control. It's like, this is how I know I can add value. In second semester freshman year, I was good at a class mm-hmm. and that made me valuable to my other classmates mm-hmm. that now, later in life, people I haven't seen since college, mm-hmm. that's the thing they think about when they think about me. It's like, oh, I remember when I was in class with Rob and he knew this and he knew this and he helped me with this that later in life, when we cross paths again, mm-hmm. the thing that was in their mind is that, man, I got value from him at some point, mm-hmm. and now they might be in a position where they can help me do something. Yeah. Um, and they can return that value, and looking back, it might have been a 10-year process, but I would have been crazy if I was like, man, I'm not gonna help this person in my class because I don't know what they can do for me. And But the thing is, that's, it, unfortunately, that's what the, a lot of the culture is. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, oh, they don't have, this certification, I don't see them in this picture with this certification, or I don't see this, then I really can't. And it's so transactional. It is transactional. And I I, I hate that part about it mm-hmm. because um, one of the things I grew to learn as an adult is that once you start to operate transactionally, you can't forget that people are going to treat you the same way. Mm. So once you think about things as being a transaction, you become a transaction to somebody else. Mm. And, you, and in order to really be in a space where things are free flowing and, and people can help you without you being able to help them, mm-hmm. you it has to be a, a altruistic kind of mindset that you have that I'm just gonna give what I have to give. Mm-hmm. And it, ha- it comes from a mindset of abundance. Mm-hmm. Because if you think from a mindset of lack, you're always gonna be trying to think about what am I gonna return? Always. But if you're thinking, well, like what I'm giving out, I got more to give. And you're in that space where I can, my energy is ultimately going to be matched by someone. Mm-hmm. And I just have to operate in a way where I keep control of my energy, mm-hmm. which, and make sure it's positive and it's a giving energy because I want to make sure I find myself around other people like that. Mm-hmm. And the only way you do that is by practicing that. So for people that's listening, because I think, 
sometimes specific, specifically coming from where we come from, I love my parents to death. I love my environment. Um, however, there's sometimes, I mean, you grew up, sometimes bills was tight, mm -hmm. right? And even when stuff, even when there was there was money, it was still that sense of it was like a, a checking account type of deal. It wasn't no thinking, and we're going to get to that. It was really like they won't know savings or anything of yeah, that nature. It yeah. was like, yo, just, hey, it is what it is. So your mindset becomes, you develop a, a scarcity mindset. I'm just not just being black a lot of times, to be frank. That's very uh, true. And so, that's a battle we fight. And how do you how do we change that? It took me a while to kind of, because I mean, right. even think about biblically, that's why people, oh, church, I don't, I don't want to give up. Like, though, it ain't even about the giving thing. I know I'm preaching, but I'm for real, for real. Mm -hmm. Like, you give into a habit of consistently giving, giving mm -hmm. more. Like, I got a tip happening now. It's, 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 it's always has to be 20% or more. Yeah. If it's carry out, I don't care. Back in the day, no, because I'm like, it's going to come back. Right. I try, it does, I haven't lost, but why, how can we unpack a mindset rather yeah. that if I give you 10, or if I buy your hoodie right now, I did not lose 30. So uh, uh, the, the, for me, I yeah. can't say for yeah. everyone, but the way that I got out of that, cause I used to be stuck in that too, mm -hmm. is you gotta pay attention to a different story. And as black people, the story that we've been paying attention to is our story in America. Okay. Like, we gotta think about who we are, not what we are in America. Mm -hmm. In America, we're African-Americans. Mm -hmm. Who we are, historically, is way bigger than that, mm -hmm. right? As far as where, the origins of who we are. And if you think about the ways that we've created and the ways that we've given to the earth, mm -hmm. in, in, if you will, as far as if you wanna talk historically about how Moors taught Europeans how to bathe, Mm -hmm. <laughs> or how Egyptians built these pyramids that still haven't fallen down. Like we have to understand that who we are as a as a people and the level of intelligence that we naturally are gifted with that we have so much to give that if we lock into who we are holistically and, and like as far as who we are as a people and not necessarily look at our American story because our American story is based in scarcity. Mm -hmm. Slavery is like we didn't we didn't get the, the the best parts of an animal by so design. We, by design, so we made food sources out of the parts of the animal that, that the slave masters wouldn't eat. Mm -hmm. Like our story in, in American slavery comes from a place of scarcity. So if you're only paying attention to and a lot of times it's marketed to us and, and slave school. movie after slave movie, <laughs> yeah. like we are trained to have this lack mentality because it, it fits the system that we were created to live in. Mm -hmm. But if, if you think to yourself, just think about this hypothetically, if black people were more giving to other black people, mm -hmm. where, would we, where would we be right now? But unfortunately, things like American slavery and other things that have forced us to compete with each other mm -hmm. rather than having the mindset of giving and helping each other. Mm -hmm. So like, for instance, like one of the things that just irks my, it just irks me to the core is where I'll see somebody kind of compare two black people that might do something similarly mm -hmm. and say, oh, like who, who does it better? Mm -hmm. Like we automatically put each other in competition. Mm -hmm. Instead of thinking, man, you kind of do something similar to, to what I can do. How can we bring this together and we can all win? Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the story of America has given, has planted in our mind that only one of us can win. 
like either Greg's gonna win or Rob's gonna win, mm -hmm. which y'all both can't win mm -hmm. as as black men. Yeah. And so when you we have certain things like that that's, that's ingrained yeah. in us and it's conditioned. It's in our DNA at this point. To a certain it, degree. That now, in order to get out of that, you have to stop paying attention to that story mm -hmm. and say, all right, what's the story that I really want to live out? Like when I wake up in the morning. And um, I kind of go through these rituals every day because this is an ongoing process. You just don't wake up fixed. Yeah, you know, like not at all. You're, you're growing every day. That one of the things that I do for myself is like, I, I look at, uh, so I got this list of all these wealthy people. Yeah. Um, and they're not because they're wealthy, but they're just like examples of how valuable I want to be to the world. Because yeah. you're not a billionaire unless you're of value to other people. Period. Period. And the thing that always strikes me and, and reminds me of, of a different story is I look at Jeff Bezos, right, as the, on paper, the, the most wealthiest uh, American. Mm -hmm. But he's not even halfway to the wealth of, of, of Mansa Musa. Mm. And it's just like, we, we talk about Jeff Bezos at this point, I think he's worth like 200 billion. I mean, at this point, who's counting? Mm -hmm. But Mansa Musa, in today's dollars, his empire was worth four hundred billion. Can you explain and give some context to who Mansa Musa is and so, things of that nature? Yeah, Mansa Musa was a king, um, which is in in present day Mali in Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is we're talking about historically, way hundreds of years ago, where he was a, a man who traveled Africa, and literally he was so wealthy he would just go places and give out gold and give out diamonds because he was just so wealthy that everywhere he went he gave. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't, no one, no one out there could give him something he didn't already have. Mm -hmm. But yet, his mentality was, I'm going to give, even though, as far as riches, nobody out there has anything to give to me that I don't already have. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, in present day, he's two times wealthier than Jeff Bezos. Mm -hmm. So I'm just thinking about from an imagination standpoint and me just envisioning myself, it's like, I'd rather be a figure like him mm -hmm. than the figures that they show me in main in mainstream media today mm -hmm. as far as oh this is what you should do as a black man i'm the thing this is i think this is the perfect time to talk about this yeah who who has the right in your opinion and, and I'll, I'll answer this too to tell a black man how to be a black man um <laughs> Because I hear from every angle on what black men should do, mm -hmm. but it always is coming from somebody who's not a black man. It's uh, I mean, nobody wants to say it publicly, but and it, and this day, I'd be tactful in this because I know how y'all be, <laughs> right? But to a certain extent, man, it's so. I'm gonna leave it there. I'm not gonna give in. Um, I don't know. I don't think anybody but a black man. Can do that. Okay. All right. So I'm a, I'm of the same mind, right? Yeah. Because I I re recently yeah, and I've paid more attention to like I really just was curious one day. I sat back. I was like, man, like I, I understand the plight of us is not the greatest mm -hmm. right now as far as incarceration, um, just certain things that affect us, right? Mm -hmm. as, as when I say community, I mean uh, the community of black men. Period. Just yeah. black men. And when I think about, all right, what has to happen to change the tide of where black men are? Mm -hmm. 
it has to be examples of black men. Mm -hmm. Like you could, somebody could say, oh, even a black woman, like they could say, oh, I think a man, a black man should be this. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's, I respect your opinion, but at the end of the day, you never walk these shoes. Yeah. So, and, and at the end of the day, though. I see that a lot of time online. But at the end of the day, though, I'm, the who I want to be as a man mm -hmm. is someone that is appreciated and is of value to a black woman. But at the same token, a black woman can't tell me how to be a black man. Mm. You know, like yeah. I got to be what I feel is the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. And I know that that will match up and provide for for what a black woman may need from me. Mm -hmm. But there's no shape or form can she tell me who I gotta be. Yeah. And if I find myself in a space where I'm solely listening to black women on who I should be, I'm lost. Yeah. And that's no that's no discredit to black women. It's just that when I walk out my front door in the morning, even though we're both black, there's a couple things as a black man I gotta consider that black women don't. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. So it's just uh, I've realized that. All right, Rob, going back to the to the main point that you were asking about in relation to getting out of that scarcity mentality and being willing to give when you might not see the, the value coming back to you. That is just me wanting to be the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. And I know me putting out that energy is going to invite not only the right people into my life, but the 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 right black woman, because I mean my my ring finger yeah. <laughs> is empty. So if we're going to be honest, right now, if you think about the talent pool of black people in America, there's way more black women with multiple degrees or one degree mm -hmm. than there are black men with a degree. Yeah. So if if the tide has shifted where black women have decided, hey, I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to leave the corporate talent pool to run my own show then yeah, the talent pool did shrink. Yeah. But he said it, and just to be clear, he said it from a context or what I, how I heard it and, and read it was that the talent wasn't there in general, yeah. which is where he was wrong. Yeah. But I do definitely believe that a lot of the talent that they will look to hire doesn't even want to work at Wells Fargo no more. And that's the that's the game. And I think a lot of it's the corporate reckoning, yeah. um, which should happen. Um, where they have to really start assessing, like, hold up, man, like, our pipeline, because we're getting exposed at these levels. Um, and honestly, it's just quite funny that they they say certain things, but then leadership doesn't get held accountable for these pipelines, said right. pipelines. Right. But then you have to think about it, let's take a step back. Pipeline for fucking what? <laughs> right. Like, what is it a pipeline? To work for you? Right. So now, because the CEOs, Patches a, a thousand more times than my regular employees. So I, my pipeline, it sounds like slavery to me, to be honest. And no right. disrespect to corporate people, because I, 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 right. hey, I'm trying. I I, when we working on corporate deals, right. like no right. disrespect, but let's be real, like, like, like that's what it kind of is, right? A pipeline yeah. for what? Like right. to really work, but, but in Wells Fargo, like right. to work, like what? what? Like, what, like at the end of the day, <laughs> the best thing I could do was have your job, the guy who said it. Yeah. And I don't even want that. Like the best job at Wells Fargo is the CEO. Because at the end of the day, it's still a job. That's, that man don't own Wells Fargo. So let's let's jump into to, to the topic of discussion right now, mm -hmm. man, is community building and Empify. Okay. And what y'all have been able to do from its inception okay. to kind of now. And what like what's what's on tape, man? What what do people expect? 
So can you tell the audience, man, what yeah. Infi really is? Um, how can they benefit from you? Benefit from it, mm-hmm. and most importantly, how can they add value to it once they're there? Right, okay. Because it's like you want you can take, 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 but it's like hold up, you have value with it there, you never know where it can go. So going back to economics class, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where present. Well, I met my present day business partner mm-hmm. in that economics class. Um, her name's Ashley Fox. She founded Amplify, mm-hmm. and Amplify is a word that she created. Uh, empower and modify put together we made a word mm-hmm. and I was always kind of part of the process always helping always because uh, I just believed in the vision of what we were trying to do mm-hmm. kind of in our own lanes because mm-hmm. uh, I had a financial advisory office I was running in DC mm-hmm. and then uh, she was had one in Philadelphia that she was running and I kind of like put her on to start her office mm-hmm. and then she's like hey this is great but there's so many people, more people to reach. Mm-hmm. There's so, so many more people that just need to be educated, mm-hmm. not let alone getting the right account to put their money into, but just mm-hmm. understand how money works. Mm-hmm. And it birthed this idea of let's get in, let's get into financial education mm-hmm. and not just financial services. Mm-hmm. And at that point, uh, we decided, hey, let's actually start to focus on the youth because we saw with all the clients that we had in financial advising mm-hmm. that. What's easier to fix an adult or teach a child the right way the first time? Mm. And we're like, oh, let's let's go to the source and start to get this information in front of kids in middle school and high school, mm-hmm. so they come out of high school understanding how to manage their money, mm-hmm. what the stock market is, how to start a business, uh, and doing so and making that transition from financial advisory to really focusing on the youth. A lot of the clients that we had came back. I was like, "Oh, we want to learn that too." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that does make sense." And we started an online community mm-hmm. in partnership with a company called Stock Twits. Yep. Back at the end of 2018. Okay. And we did that. That was a good first step for us. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, that's an important thing to note. Yeah. Because in our mind, we wanted to have our our whole thing own the whole thing, do everything on our own, mm-hmm. but we needed to take a baby step. Yeah. And that baby step was partnering with StockTwist that kind of gave us the technology platform mm-hmm. to manage a community and to, and to continue a conversation in a private setting because money is, is such a, a, a sensitive topic. A lot of people don't want to have that conversation openly. Should it be a sensitive topic? It shouldn't be, but it is in a black community uh-huh. because we don't talk about it in our family, in our households. So it doesn't feel natural for us to talk about it publicly because we didn't even talk about it in the house. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, we got to create a private community, not something that's on social media that everybody who don't need to be a part of this conversation can comment. Yeah, they can comment and not add no value. And not <laughs> add any value or distract or confuse someone. Mm-hmm. And that was that first initial step that we took. And at that point, about a year into that, we're like, we need to have more flexibility with this platform. We mm-hmm. want to do this. We want to have a course library. We, we want to have a dynamic where it's easier to connect with other members in the community with certain things that were just hard to do in that world. Mm-hmm. And we came up with this bright idea. It's like, we need our own app. Mm-hmm. And so today, literally today, mm-hmm. uh, is the general global launch of our app. Wow in which it's available in the app store. So what, today was the first day? Well, it's not the first day of the app being live. Yeah. We had like a beta period. Yeah. Where we had a lot of our existing members from our community when we were on, in our previous partnership. 
and they came over with us and they were helping us kind of work out the kinks and the bells and whistles and make sure everything was working correctly in the app. We tested out a couple programs in the app over the last 60 days mm -hmm. just to make sure everything was working right before we opened the door to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and today that's happening in which now um, in the palm of your hand, in your phone, or you can log on from a computer, you can get access to courses that teach you about how your 401k works. Mm -hmm. How do I start? How do I buy a stock? How do I start investing? Led by all black instructors? All black instructors. Yeah. Like the black, black YouTube home, of finance, black Netflix of finance. Black Netflix of finance. Anything money um, related and kind of purpose Entrepreneurship. Related. Yeah. But also, and this is a part that we, we kind of glaze over a lot of times when we talk about money, but the, the mentality, the mental part of it, and even the spiritual part of being in a space where you start to live a healthier financial life. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of other factors that, that, that affect your money that just aren't based on money. And um, it's how you think, how you make decisions, how you feel about yourself, um, just your goals in life. You wanting to give to other people. A lot of those things, you have to exercise those muscles too Yeah. to make sure that your finances are going in the right Because it's like, if you don't, it's like you're going to the gym just doing chess. Oh, you're making all this money, but you ain't working your legs, so you're spending all this money and now you're not keeping. So you got people with making 40000 a year with great credit and they got... Hundred grand of savings after ten years teaching, mm -hmm. but then you got somebody to make one hundred twenty thousand a year, has all these put, uh, negative assets, mm -hmm. and it's kind of really check the check. Yeah, I've seen it, seen it. That's reality. Yeah, they're they're as a financial advisor and the hundreds of clients um, that I sat with and talked with, I noticed that there were actually more six figure earners in a worse financial position. Than those making thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. Why do you think that is? That's because crazy. in our community, in the yeah. black community, which is most of my clients were African American, that we think that once we make six figures, that we don't have to be disciplined financially, because in our, it was ingrained in our brain that the goal is to hit six figures, and then once you get there, you can do whatever you want to do, <laughs> and and because that's almost looked at as a finish line, if you will. So I made it. I'm making six figures. I can travel the way I want to. I can spend money the way I want to. Mm -hmm. And you kind of give away your position as far as being somebody that can really be a financial resource and change the dynamic of your entire family. Mm -hmm. Because this is this is another thing that I got to say. Yeah. And I've been waiting to say this publicly. Yeah. That if you are the first person in your family to earn six figures, you better not be the last. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you gotta you gotta teach people the right principles. Mm -hmm. Because some other people in your family might not have the talent or the gifts that you had that got you to a point of having that earning potential. But you gotta at least, they gotta be able to see you as an example of what they should be doing on a day-to-day basis mm -hmm. that they can ultimately get there too. Because mm -hmm. if they, they say, oh, you, you just blow all your money, then, oh, all right, well, I'm going to kind of do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like, there was no example. Mm -hmm. If you might be the person in your family that wasn't making that type of money, and it's like, oh, my cousin my cousin Rob got got it rolling, but if I was out here doing something stupid with my money, and then I told you, hey, you're only making 40000 this is what you need to do to get to work. I'm like, you don't do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, why should I do that? And, and so you got to get to a point where, 
And we got to get to a point as a community where we don't look at 100,000 a year as the finish line. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. And because we just never knew anybody else in our family to get there. And it's just a nice round number that looks good. Um, because to be honest, most of us in our community don't have the belief system mm-hmm. that supports us being millionaires. Mm-hmm. We want it, but we don't really believe that it's possible. That's why we play the lottery, because we think we got to win our way there mm-hmm. instead of work our way there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just so many things that that come into play where when you think about, all right, there's a lot of these problems that we can highlight in our community and for ourselves that, that we are growing through. Mm-hmm. How do we how do we become bigger than the problem? Mm-hmm. And how do we be how do we stay focused on the solution? And the only way I found to stay focused on the solution when we see all these hurdles, whether you think about racism mm-hmm. or or systemic oppression, like all these things are real factors. Yeah. And you think about these problems, the only way to be focused on on the solution is to make sure you're telling yourself the right story. Consistently. And it always comes back to it. And it's like when people say, oh, I'm doing the inner work or I'm working on me, that better be improving the story that you tell yourself every day. Yeah. I hope that's incorporated. Yeah. Because you can't just say, oh, I'm working out now. I'm going to the gym two or three times a week and think that's it. It's like, no, well, what about the mentality? Mm-hmm. You can, yeah, you can work on the outside all day long, mm-hmm. but unless you mentally kind of turn the corner, as far as the story that you tell yourself every day, then yeah, you might look good in the mirror, but inside you might feel like shit. Which is the importance of what y'all building with the community, with hundreds of members mm-hmm. of like-minded mm-hmm. individuals that A, are learning together, that are sharing together, that hopefully are making money together. Right. So then that that just, it changes everything because now you're not just depending on yourself for your own motivation. It's like, there is a social media, it's like a platform like you like we talked about earlier offline where it's an Instagram of personal development. Correct. So you're going there, so you can scroll, but it's a good scroll. You're like, yeah. okay, cool. Oh, snap. Hey, Rob, just <laughs> closed that deal? Hey, comment, hey, bro. Right. Like, how you close that? Right. What does that right. look like? Right, and, like, and everybody's sharing, and it's a knowledge share. Because mm. uh, one of the other things I learned about our community is that we'll see other people doing great things, but because sometimes we feel as though, all right, if somebody else comes up, it could affect my success, we won't share it. And we're gonna plug the hole. The hole, we get out the hole, plug the hole. Right, <laughs> y'all right. and that. it's like, no, like, the, the mentality is that if I share what I know, mm-hmm. that it's actually gonna bring me more, rather than feeling as though if I share what I know, it's gonna affect or diminish my success. Mm-hmm. And that, again, goes back to that mentality. When I, when literally I see it every day now, especially with some of our existing members, mm-hmm. that when they'll get on the app and they'll just be looking around and seeing what people are talking about. And it's, they're like, oh my God, like I've never been in a space where everybody was so positive and everybody was helping each other and everybody was driven. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, the whole world should be like this, yeah. not just the members in our community. And so I was like, all right, how could I, how could the whole world get like this? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, let's just make sure the whole world is in the community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just like, and there's, and as crazy as that may sound to someone, like I really think that when this is all said and done, and 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 I don't want to say when I say all said and done, I guess it's when I leave this earth, because yeah. everything will continue even after that, is that I really believe that 
there are what, 40 million black people in America right now, right? Mm-hmm. I want a good, I want at least 10% of that in this app. Mm-hmm. Like what's wrong with, with 4 million of them can help each other. Mm-hmm. But when I just think about from a business standpoint and market share, and when I look at some of these other big companies, like the Amazon, Walmarts of the world, mm-hmm. Deltas of the world, these huge companies, they're huge and successful and they might have 15% of the market. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you don't have to get everybody. Nah. You just gotta get, you gotta focus on what your demographic is, people who are willing and ready to receive this information, receive this environment, receive this resource, and that might not be everybody that's ready to receive it. Because yeah. you can only help somebody who's ready to receive help. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's break it down in these three ways and then we'll get up out of here, man. Mm-hmm. Um one, can you talk can you walk us through the process um of building out the community and fleshing it out? And the reason why I ask this in reference because there's many of you that are listening right now that are in the process of building something big, right? You're scaffolding, you got big ambitions, you not already articulated your team, you're starting, but there's gonna be a lot of roadblocks. A lot of contracts to fall through, a lot of stuff. And I want to just have somebody that I've seen over the last five, six years work with Amplify. Mm-hmm. Re- remodel, rebuild, repurpose, yeah. all this yeah. other stuff. And now you're in a point where it's like, yo, we are ready. We don't be digital. We live. And it's, and it's rocking. And it's, 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 it's on the ground floor. But how did you get to that ground floor? Because people don't realize the ground floor, there's still so much to get to the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... Um... Like I, I I look at when I think about building a business and what that looks like now that I've kind of had some experience in a couple of different businesses that I've I've had my hand in, that you when whenever like any of these skyscrapers here, like before they build that skyscraper and build it up, they gotta build down. Mm. They gotta go down before they go up. Mm. And when you think about what that looks like in far as community building, you gotta go grassroots and that means giving away your expertise, your knowledge, your time, your energy, and giving it away for free, which feels like for free in the moment, because you might say, oh, in order for somebody to learn, let's just say I got a clothing line, Mm -hmm. and I want to have a community of people that's always buying my clothes. Well, that might have to start out with you giving out your shirt first. Mm -hmm. And then people like, like the compliments that they get when they're wearing that shirt, and then in the future, they'll buy it. Mm-hmm. But the first shirt you might have had to give away. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about that in the context of community building, building down, honestly, in business me, means that at first you're going to have to lose money before you make money. Yeah, yeah. And But we, ha- we can't look at it in the lens of in this very moment I'm losing a dollar because that's that scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. You got to look at it at this moment I'm investing in giving out free shirts Mm -hmm. so that ultimately one day people buy them. Mm -hmm. And that's just a different mentality, a different view of it. So when I think about if I had to tell someone how to build a community, Mm -hmm. let's just say if it was a subscription-based community, one of the things that you you would have to do up front, depending on what what the product is, if you will, that you're you're sharing or the service that you're providing, is that you're going to have to give it out complimentary. And give people an opportunity to try it, to test, to test it, yeah. Because and and what that does to the psychology of individuals mm-hmm. is that if you're willing to be supportive and to give it to them for free, mm-hmm. then it it gives you the brand, if you will, 
mm -hmm. to say, oh, this person is doing it for the right reasons because they didn't come in day one like a land grab, just trying to make whatever dollar they could make. Mm -hmm. They came into the game giving the game. And when you give it and people can test it and if it's good, people will buy it and yeah. pay for it in the future. Um, and so that's one of the things that we did within our community is we started out giving free classes. Mm -hmm. Uh, sessions online like you want to know about this we just did a free class mm -hmm. and and we got people to learn and realize like oh I, I, I picked something up or I feel a little bit better about my money now and when people feel progress they will stick around because progress mm -hmm. is actually more valuable than results mm. when you're thinking about community building yeah so let me, let me let me explain that when you, let's just say you're saving up to buy a car. Yep, yeah, yeah. Man, those paychecks where you get to save a good chunk and mm -hmm. you get closer to that goal, you feel good. I mean, man, I'm getting closer. Like I feel progress. I'm like I'm getting there. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it one day. And then you buy the car. Two months later, it's like, oh yeah, that's my car. Yeah. <laughs> you're not really excited. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, result, yeah. you, the manifestation is is was great in the moment, but mm -hmm. once you have it for a little bit. It's not as fresh, mm -hmm. but I can tell you that entire time you were making progress to get in the car, mm -hmm. you was on a thousand. Which is, would you say that's why re recreating goals often, often, and also recreating habits? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a whole that's a whole different kind of conversation. But I mean, we get into the goal administration, but without looking at habits, it's like, well, you can get a goal. Hey, I want to I want to get a million, but if you still got poor money habits so you were at a hundred grand yeah if you get a million they gonna, it's not really gonna be a million it's not so you you because it's easy to get more stuff to get more things but if, if the mindset and like you said if really the habits aren't there to mm -hmm. support these things right then it's like for what i want to get more clients well you don't have a habit of processing invoices on time right. of uh grammatically doing certain things so these mm -hmm. habits you get more clients you're gonna get exposed on an even bigger level right so it's like man you're, you're putting, putting the cart for the horse i can see even for myself, um, like this year has been a huge financial win for me for a cer for certain things. However, it's like for the longest, I still I had the money to pay off my credit card debt. I had fifteen grand mm -hmm. to, to pay off, but I said I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. It's like hold up, gee, I'm investing in Apple, I'm investing in stock, I'm doing this, buying I'm all this bread here. And I'm like, yeah. bro, like, but principal G, understand? I know everybody has something to say about debt. I know George A, you get them. I know everybody has something to say about debt, but it's like, yo, G, I don't need credit card debt, right? Get rid of it. Yeah. Get rid of that first. Uh -huh. Then invest. Yeah. I mean, and it can go either way. It can go either way. Because I mean, Cause everybody has their thoughts. It depends but it on your yeah. mindset. Right. And I just don't like seeing like I'm like I'm doing all this stuff and I'm looking at. Hold up. My my utilization is ninety eight percent. Like nah, G. Yeah, like, get, right. get rid of that, bro. Right, like right. you playing. Right. Yeah. No. And, and and to go going back to the point of of just the community, right? Yeah. That. I, just from my perspective, and I, I, I'm not, I won't say that I'm an expert at building community. We just, we're, we're experts at the community that we build. Yeah. And the thing that has been most valuable it, and will help, especially with retention mm -hmm. and, and building a, a community bigger, is that you have to figure out a way to make sure people feel like they own their progress. Mm. And this is, I'm, I'm good. This is, this is very important because there's cases where someone can say, oh, I feel like I progressed, but I don't feel like that came from me. Mm. I feel like somebody else 
did that for me. Uh-huh. But if you can get someone to a point where they feel as though they have control over their own progress based on the resources and things that you provided to them within a community, that's when your community explodes. How do you grow as a leader? And I, I write the segue into that. Like, how do you grow as a leader where you have all this wealth information mm-hmm. and you see, you see, you want to add so much to the community and you find yourself, I used to find myself doing way more for people than probably I should have. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they I, I own the growth. It's like, well, no, I was going to make sure you're on the call. I'm sending a follow. I'm doing follow. I'm doing all this yeah. stuff. I'm like, hold on, G, hold on, hold on. Right. What have they done? Right. So now it's the inverse effect. So how do you safeguard that when you're building community? Okay, you want to help people, right. but you obviously want them to get it themselves. So <laughs> I, I would say, so me and Ashley are a little bit different on that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Ashley's more, she's more of the nurturer. Yeah. And, and the, the feminine energy, right? Uh-huh. I'm more of the like, that's just stupid. What's, <laughs> why are you doing that, right? <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's tough love. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know, I won't say sit here and say that's masculine energy because uh-huh. that's that not necessarily masculine energy. Uh-huh. But I, I, I'm of the, of the belief that once you put the pressure on someone to do for themselves because you believe they can do for themselves, mm. that's what changes the game. Because it's one thing to tell somebody to do something because you don't want to help them. Mm. It's another thing to tell somebody to do something because you openly have shown that you believe in their ability to do it. Mm. And so when you thinking about, all right, how can I get someone to push themselves or to own this? You actually have to share your belief with them. Mm. And as a leader, if you get great at knowing how to share your level of belief in other people and, and to infuse your level of belief into other people, then you've done your job because it's not your job to necessarily force somebody to be better. Mm-hmm. It's your job to push them to want to be better. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. And and for me, I think I get so much freedom in the element of leadership that I have right now mm-hmm. because I don't feel like I own your progress. I don't feel bad if you don't grow mm-hmm. because I know <laughs> you made a personal decision not to grow. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's crazy. You see what being not growing is a personal decision. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think sometimes we skate around that. Even mm-hmm. in my life, and I always, I know I'm, be, but like seriously, there's times in my life where I didn't grow. You can blame everybody else. You care, but it's like no, you made a. Per- there's habits that you did, things that you done, decisions that you made that made an environment where you're not growing. You have to own that. Right, right, and and I think especially being a leader of a community. The, the, the two main things I focus on mm-hmm. every day is what can I do to make sure people own their own progress mm-hmm. and how can I get better at sharing my level of belief? Mm-hmm. Those are only two things I work on. Those, and, and we're, we're getting there because there's two things I want to discuss before we end. One is the power of effective communication where when I say that, that's subtle as, hey, if I say, Hey, well, man, great job today. What'd you do a great job on? Oh, great job of boom, boom, boom. Like, really, I, I always try to ask, like, or try to think, if I'm giving a compliment, it's not, oh, man, cool stuff. Right. Like, what was cool about it? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're doing something, like, really getting meta in that, so one, we can allow others to see their value as well. Right. And that's one thing a lot of kids are lacking. It's like, oh, yeah, good job, Johnny. For what? What did Johnny do? It was good. <laughs> right. Like, I, I'm not a fan of participation trophies. Yeah. Like, you, we, we have to make sure that we are always willing to push ourselves to be the best. Now, 
Unless you're saying like, hey, I appreciate you, your consistency for coming oh, yeah. to every practice. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But it is like, yo, hey, you get a no, trophy in great season. Your eighth what? place <laughs> trophy? No, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're not doing eighth place trophies. <laughs> That's not that that doesn't that doesn't breed uh or doesn't shift somebody's belief. Uh-huh. Because if I get this is a this is a great example. If I give you an eighth place trophy, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have any reason to push yourself to be a winner? Because uh, we kind of associate winning with the trophy. Yeah. So if I give you an eighth place trophy, why would you fight for a first place trophy? Because mm. for a child, especially for a child, a trophy is a trophy. Yeah. So it's a recognition. <laughs> I could care less what the number on a trophy is. Uh. but And that's kind of, I think, why people got into that space of participation trophies, just yeah. so a child will feel valued and appreciated and loved, but you're you're handicapping that child because they're losing their hunger to fight right. for better. They're going to a life of entitlement. And that's right. what we see now. Some, And I know I get it, but a, a younger generation, even our, even our generation is like, mm-hmm. we're coming in spaces brand new and we like, yo, how do you do, I get how do you do it, but you, you say ask how you do it before you did any research. Yeah. How can I build what, like bro, like you doing, people <laughs> always doing these things and it's like, where do we get that? Right. This could be, in this, but that's the, I see the hero yeah, there. But I do want to add to the fact when we, when we talk through it, right now there's, are you going online, if you can go on Instagram and you'll see anybody right now, you can do this exercise, go on Instagram, you start scrolling and you see a lot of influencers, a lot of people giving advice on either real estate, um, mm-hmm. stocks, mm-hmm. Uh, leasing Airbnbs, uh, Forex, uh, speaking, uh, podcasting, like everybody's gurus, everybody packages out, everybody multiple streams, right. do this, do that. Like with your platform, how can we safeguard for some? Because some people built four guys, okay, some people five times, they can be in all these other places. Mm-hmm. Um, but how can we get an identifiable focus for somebody that's starting as far as wealth building when you got, even in wealth building, you have, like you said, REITs, you got stocks, you got bonds, you got all this stuff. Yeah. How can we, for those that are listening, to say, hey, I'm trying to get into finance, but I'm kind of just scared because there's so much going on. Where do you start? Um, well, one, you have to start with yourself. Yeah. It, you got to start with something that's actually not financial. So I always share with individuals, before you come up with like, what stock do I need to invest in or what kind of account do I need? First and foremost, what do you want to accomplish financially? Like there that you want to be able to do. And for a lot of for a lot of people, the the answer is create generational wealth. Um, and that's a great answer, but that can, that's a vast <laughs> like that's a, such a broad yeah. like what does that mean? You know, like no one knows what it means, but it keeps the people going. <laughs> and it's like, well, let's get let's get a little bit more uh precise about this. Yeah. It's like, is generational wealth, you being able to give your child $25,000 when they graduate from college to kind of start life and, you, and you're passing wealth on to the next generation in that form? Or is generational wealth them being able to, from day one when they're born, be private school from here on out and have more opportunities because of economic uh, or educational opportunities they have when they're younger? Or is it I want to start a business and give my business to somebody else to run, whether it's my niece, nephew, son, daughter, whomever it may be. Like, there's so many different forms that generational wealth can can fit into. Yeah. The question is, what kind of generational wealth you want to create, if that's your thing, or if it's just you focusing on you right now and like, all right, I want 
X amount of dollars or whatever I want. I want a business is X is this big. Why? Mm. Like, is it is it just because it sounds good, mm. or is this going to actually help you accomplish something that you feel is a part of what your purpose here is on Earth? Mm. And for me. When I think about generational wealth, yes, I'm, I'm right now working on creating something that will ultimately be passed to my kids and great great grandkids and great and so on and so forth. But when I think about why, mm-hmm. is because I think about my childhood, and it's like, man, there's so many things that I would love to done uh, that I couldn't do, or my mom wasn't able to, to make happen for me, and I was like, I don't want my children uh, to ever feel the emotional space of feeling like it's their fault that your family or your household doesn't have anything. Mm. Um, and that was, that's my why. Like, yeah. I just don't want my kids to feel what I felt because I'm not sure how my kids will react to feeling that feeling. Because mm. when I felt that feeling, it kicked me into another gear and Rob, go take over the world. Yeah. But I don't know how my child will feel if they or what my child will do mm-hmm. if they felt that feeling mm. and what i can do and what's in my power is to create a scenario what's less likely that they'll even feel the feeling mm. i think one thing that i really and y'all have heard it before in this podcast but it's really critical especially in this age um you gotta live your life mm-hmm. and it's and i understand it's hard because you you go online you're influenced everybody all of us are influenced right but you're influenced by other people's perspective on what you you should be doing with your money your relationships your time everybody has advice what people should be doing correct right and not to say you shouldn't listen to that advice you should that that should be some somewhat of a framework a blueprint it should be considered it's just like the blueprint for the house but you still gotta go buy the wood like no 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 like that's the blueprint but then you think about what does it look like for me? So if you do not have a financial plan, like and you're asking God for more money, you're asking whatever, the universe to, to, to reap certain things or whatever, but you do not know, you have no, what, what are your goals? Don't, don't just say, oh, my 100,000 is my goal. No, 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 no. You, you missed the whole message, right? Mm-hmm. It is, what what are we trying to accomplish with said money? Yeah. Like what like, what, are others, what are some questions people can ask themselves? Oh, that's every, a good one. To, 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 to get to that financial goal piece. Like what are some um, questions they should be asking internally? What what emotions do I feel on a regular basis that I think can be eliminated by financial prosperity? Like, that's top top of mind. Like, if you think about what emotion, like, I'm gonna say that again. What emotions do I feel right now that I might not like, or that I would just say is a negative emotion, whether it's shame, guilt, mm-hmm. fear, whatever it is. What emotions do I want to eliminate or that I think could be eliminated by financial prosperity? Because when we think about living life, we're living life right now. Like we go through our days every day and how we feel is kind of how we view life. Like, so if I feel good, then life is good. Mm-hmm. If I feel bad, <laughs> life is bad. So it's like, all it's right. It's kind of simple. Yeah. So let me figure out what emotions do I think financial prosperity is going to help me eliminate? And let me make sure that that first and foremost is a correlating connection. Cause it's like, all right, for for a lot of us, as far as black people, we have an issue with self-worth, right? Mm-hmm. Like we'll, we'll, we'll do things that kind of damage us 
and we might even know it, but it's it's the end thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, like somebody hits you up and you say, let's just say money's tight at the moment, and somebody hits you up to go out, and you that makes you feel loved, and you go out because that makes you feel loved, but at the end of the day, that might knock you off a financial goal you have for yourself mm-hmm. by going out and spending money. And it's like, all right, well, in that scenario, it's like, oh, well, like, I feel unloved and I see how me feeling unloved is keeping me from financial progress. Mm-hmm. So in my in my estimation, this is kind of how I look at it. Me creating generational wealth will prevent my children from having to think about that correlation. Mm-hmm. And here I got two last questions, mm-hmm. right? Number one, have you had to give a public service public service announcement um, to the entire world? What would you say? And if you had to give a public service announcement to the black community, what would you say? To the world, I would say black is beautiful. I just that just needs to be on everybody. I don't care what you, you white, green, purple, black, I don't, whoever you are, to the world that, just keep it real simple, black is beautiful. But to black people, we gonna go a little bit deeper. I would say to, to black people that we have to find it in ourselves to let go of the pain that other people have put on us and focus on what we can do for ourselves because the very people that put pain on us, going back to this topic of slavery or or systemic oppression, whatever, those are other people putting pain on us, right? That the only way to get from under that pain is to stop believing that the person that put it on you will take it off of you. Mm. And it's so fitting that we're in a space now in the world and society where, um, be honest, we're asking for a lot from people, right? For sure. Almost. And we, we have more than a, more than Definitely enough right. reasons to yeah. ask. Definitely. However, the only thing I believe that's really going to move the needle is where we say, even though you owe us mm-hmm. for building this country, mm-hmm. that the same way we built this country, the same way we built pyramids, we can now build for ourselves regardless of what you do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very, the thought of that pains people to feel like, dang, I'm not gonna get anything in return for the value that I gave, going back to the early part of our conversation, like our families, our lineage, has given to this country mm-hmm. in ways, blood, sweat, and tears. It can never be valued as says. You, you can't, can't, you can't say, it. oh, we got 10,000 for everybody. Well, that's, right. that's all, bro? Because <laughs> even, let, let, and before we end, because this reparations thing always comes up, even if they were to pay you a dollar amount, it's not gonna erase the pain mm-hmm. that we still move with today. Because I know plenty of people being in the industry I'm in that are super wealthy, that are depressed, that are miserable, because they got the money and realized that the money didn't fix it, and now they don't know what the hell to do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I gotta grow 
so that my money grows, it's not that my money grows and I automatically grow. Mm. And it's if we got to get the the process right. And if for for I think for black people for us to grow, we have to let go of this notion that we're ever going to get anything back from a group of people that has only shown to us to be oppressive. Where in history have you seen our counterparts give? They take in the world, conquer the world, Roman Empire, Greek, like everything, the, the Eurocentric look at the world, they it's take, take, take. I can't really find any place in history where they have had a giving spirit. They they given what they take. Oh, philanthropy. Oh, we have. Oh, Andrew. Oh, Carter so you just giving us yeah. back what y'all took? <laughs> like, okay, y'all feel good about that? That's nice. Well, we're gonna make it so that, and what I'm thinking, this is my mindset. We're gonna make it so that you can't take from us anymore, and you can't take from us because. We're not worried about your acceptance. That's the only way that they can take from us right now is because we're worried about their acceptance. Mm-hmm. They didn't. If if we didn't if we didn't think about what I hate to say it like this, but what white America thinks of us. If if we want if we didn't want acceptance, they would have no leverage to take from us. But because deep down inside we want to be valued and recognized by them that that gives them leverage to take from us. Mm-hmm. And once you take that away, they can't take they can't take anything from you if you're not doing anything for them. Mm. So like that's it, man. Man, it's been a it's been a phenomenal episode, man. Um really really probing but thinking because that's what we do as economics majors. People don't realize all the stuff all the rah rah stuff. I'm an economics major. <laughs> not a marketing, not a sales, whatever. <laughs> Like, I really be thinking through stuff, man. I think I want to challenge us all, especially our black men as brothers, man, to have more just regular conversations. Um, no offense, I love sports and whatnot, but just regular conversations about life. That doesn't mean we're asking for advice. People just doesn't, they can't necessarily deem to give us sound advice. But there's a, there's a, there's a notion of us just thinking yesterday about with the political realm and whatnot. Everybody wants to say vote, but I don't, I don't see a lot of people talking about the dollar ballot votes. So mm-hmm. who, who are you? Who you voting for? For lieutenant, school right. superintendent, right. Um, all this other stuff. The people like the stuff that really affects your yeah, day to day. Like, and that's a conversation. That's, that's a conversation. A like, hey Rob, man. So I'm in Durham, bro. I see who's on the ballot. John, damn blue, etc. What you think about them? I don't know too much. I know, but damn blue, I heard about this. All right, let's let's Google that real quick. Yeah, yeah. Our conversation, y'all can get a game plan. You in your corner of who y'all voting for for the down ballot, and we'll get on that down ballot vote. But we're not doing that. It's easy to say, hey, vote, vote. You like, hold up, but you ask a person, who are you voting for for lieutenant governor? Who's that? What's that? What's that? Mm-hmm, That's it. Mm-hmm. They ready running this year? <laughs> so what the hell are we doing here? Like, <laughs> right, what you, right. stop it. Right. So, I mean, but just let's continue. Um, of course, you want to share a game and all this other stuff, I mean, but start where you are. And start where you are. Start with your own community. Um, and especially for my community builders. Don't, you, I see some of you trying to build communities, but you ain't build a community in your city. It's like, bro, you don't even have no, like, you don't have no group in your city. You have five people you come to your city right now and talk, but you want to, and even if you get it, how you go, you you can't curate real relationships because you never built real relationships. Right, right, right. You're just trying to get the, I know the game, trying to get the subscription bread. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to get 1,000 people, $10 an hour, $10 a head, it's $10,000 a month. I'm, I, it's in my REI. It looks good on paper. Yeah. 
But that don't like, is that really gonna change the community? So get your get your reps in, simply as college students, get your reps in where you're at. Mm-hmm. Like for real, for real. Right. But that's neither here nor there, man. It's all where can people find more about Amplify? How to sign up, all that good stuff. So this is so as of tonight at eight o'clock. And what's uh, the date? Oh, right, 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 right. Oh, oh, right now it's September thirtieth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and you can find uh ways to get to well, you can search our app in the app stores. Apple App Store is also the Google Play Store if you got a Droid. Uh, and it's Wealth Builders, no spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll come right up. But as far as social media. Um, you can find me, the T-H-E, Rob Boyd, um, but our Wealth Builders community is also the handle for our, um, our IG account for our community. So Wealth Builders community all together mm-hmm. is the IG handle. Uh, and then you can find me at the Rob Boyd on pretty much every platform. And I mean, once you get there, you'll see plenty of places to learn about what the community is about, what you can learn, what you'll get from it, who's already in it. Mm-hmm. Um, all the things that you just would want to know um, before you get involved, just so that you're consistent and clear on what this is all about. Because um, I'll be honest, it ain't for everybody. Yeah. Uh, you got to be in a certain space where you're ready to grow. And your community shouldn't be for everybody. Yeah. Not, if you, hey, I want, I want everybody. No, no you don't want Because no. you, you can get everybody, but then it's got the weird people throwing off comments. It's like, it just, yeah. the energy is really real. Yeah. It's got to be a certain, I mean, you got to be, I, I'd say the ideal member in our community is someone who is ready to grow, mm-hmm. who has identified the the things in life that are important to them and identified why being financially sound can help them get there. And if you're if you're in that boat where you want to grow, I know what I want to do in life, I know I know where my passion and where my purpose is, I know what I want to create, and now I'm trying to figure out financially how to manage and navigate my way there, this is where you need to be. Say less. So my only trouble is the nation, as always. I need you to do two things, two things only. Uh, two things, two things only. Number one, uh, make sure you leave a review, five stars or nothing. Uh, and number two, make sure you're changing the freaking culture. Good night. What a do, world. It's your boy, Greg Ehill, the culture change agent. This is the end of the Minority Trouble is a podcast, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention our sponsors, Scottish Porter. Like I said at the beginning of the show, they are the premier black-owned hair, skin, and beard product that you can find at Walmart, Target, or you can find at scottsporter.com. They are a sponsor of this podcast, and they currently right now, they're running a few specials, 50% off the collections page, as well as a plethora of other things that can help you during this holiday season and beyond. So remember... Visit scottsporter.com, and if you see us on social media, say, hey, I found out about y'all from the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Thank you again for tuning in, and remember to change the freaking culture. Good night.